everyone. Welcome back to JCM Prepare the Way. My name is Carol, and I just want to thank you for tuning back into our series on Revelation. And today is that bonus episode I mentioned that I was going to bring you um, on the topic of that thousand-year millennial reign. Different authors, different teachers, even different denominations, they all have very different ideas and viewpoints on this. So let's tackle this a little bit. Now, in chapter 20, to keep things simple, we presented a very straightforward view of Christ reigning on the earth for a thousand years with the saints, because we're told that we will we are co-heirs and will co-rule with Christ. Well, this is the time that we do that. And this would all take place after his return. But we know that not everybody agrees to this. So let's explore it a bit. Now, I'm going to mention, because I I can't get around it, um, some big theological words that tend to uh, divide the body of Christ up into different groups of people based on the positions we take on the subject, right? So there are three core groups related to the millennial, um, that thousand-year reign, a premillennial viewpoint, a postmillennial viewpoint, and an amillennial viewpoint. But there's also big words under these viewpoints, which I'll get to in just a minute. So what tends to happen is believers, we are lumped into one of these groups based on our belief on end time eschatology. And so it's important to understand what these groups mean or represent. I try to keep this simple. The first one, the premillennial, that means they hold to the view that Jesus returns before his thousand-year reign. Then he will reign on the earth in bodily form for those thousand years. It's a time period that's taken literally. Now, there's another big word that people will tie to this viewpoint. It's called dispensational premillennial. A dispensational premillennial viewpoint Yes, they believe Jesus is going to reign bodily for a thousand years, but there's two other beliefs they carry. Number one, that God has a different plan for the Christians than he does the Jews as it pertains to his return and the period of time known as the tribulation. They believe Christians and Jews are separated and that there is a plan for each one. Number two, they also believe that there is a pre-tribulation rapture of the saints of God, that Christians will be raptured out of here before seven years of tribulation. That's a dispensational premillennial viewpoint. So a premillennialist, without that dispensation with it, they may not hold to the view of a pre-tribulation rapture or separating Christians and Jews, but they still hold to the view that Jesus is returning to reign bodily for a thousand years. So that's what pre-millennial pre a thousand years means. Now, under this, it's important to understand a few other viewpoints. Three words, restorationism, supersessionism, and preterism. Again, I'm keeping this as simple as possible because it can get, we can get so bogged down here, friends. And you know, who has time for that, right? So restorationism, This view believes that the promises made to the sons of Israel through those great covenants, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, they are yet to be fulfilled. 
See, Christians, what do we do? We lump everything under what we call the old covenant, and we misunderstand covenant so greatly. I can't go into that right now. But anyway, restorationism believes that all of these covenants will be fulfilled. When Jesus returns, all of Israel will be saved, and the kingdom of Israel will be restored in the land that was promised to Abraham. Jesus will rule over the Jewish, Jewish people as their king and a sovereign of all the earth. Now, this is important, a very important position, because when you go into chapters 21 and 22, you're going to see restorationism unfold. So it's very interesting. But there's another viewpoint, supersessionism. This view is commonly known as replacement theology. And they hold to the view that the Christian church has superseded or replaced Israel's the people of God. It's very, um, I just want to, well, I'll let you do what you want with that. And then the last one is preterism. And this is the belief that the overwhelming majority of biblical prophecy has already been fulfilled and that um, it interprets most of the passages that speak of the last days or the end times of having been fulfilled in the events that surrounded A.D. 70, when Rome destroyed Jerusalem. And so many times they do not hold to the belief that there is a future great tribulation, that there is no Antichrist, no Mark of the Beast, no great apostasy, or many of the other things that are associated with that. See, so got it? Premillennialism, Jesus is going to reign for a thousand years bodily on the earth. Dispensational premillennialists believe the same thing, but they separate Christians and Jews and they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Restorationism believes that all those covenants God made with Israel, they're going to get fulfilled and Jesus is going to reign and rule over them. Supersessionism doesn't believe that. They believe the church replaced Israel. And preterism, they think everything got fulfilled in AD 70. Clear? Okay, great. Let's move on to the second one. <laughs> Post-millennial. This is the viewpoint about the thousand years that they believe that thousand years is figurative. They do not believe in a pre-tribulation rapture of the saints because they believe the millennium, the thousand years, begins when most of the world is Christianized, when Christianity dominates the world. They hold to the view that the church is moving beyond the persecution of the first century to a triumphal and victorious state. That essentially we are progressing, that we are progressively conquering and Christianizing the world as we speak before Jesus returns. So a post-millennial viewpoint believes we are in the millennium, figuratively. And they believe that when the world is Christianized, then the Lord will return. Now the interesting thing about that view is that Revelation 20 says that an angel comes down and binds Satan and casts him into a bottomless pit and seals it shut for what? A thousand years. So that seems literal to me, but you know, you can make your own assumptions. They don't, but they don't really address that in their viewpoint. They don't address that. They say that Satan was bound at the cross. Perhaps you've heard this teaching. It's called post-millennialism. Now let's move to the third uh, position on the thousand-year reign, and that's ah-millennial. They, too, believe that the thousand years is figurative. They interpret the various references to the millennial either allegorically or spiritually, and that the church is essentially now in the millennium, 
They believe Christ can return at any moment, but only if there's been a little trouble first. And when he returns, immediately after he returns, we are all standing at the judgment, judgment seat of Christ, that great white throne judgment or judgment seat of Christ. So that's that. those, those three viewpoints. Now, post-millennialists and amillennialists are similar in that they both believe Christ is reigning now from heaven. However, they both differ slightly on how it looks. First, a post-millennialist believe that, believes that the world is getting better, that as Christians walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and in their authority, that we will change the nations and rule. And in doing that, we prepare the earth for Christ to reign here. You know, can I just pause here? This is just me speaking, and you can take this and throw it away. That would be wonderful, except honestly, I'm teaching a a Bible study right now on the Holy Spirit. So many Christians aren't walking in their power and authority. Most Christians are still quenching the Holy Spirit. So when I read that, when I study that viewpoint, it sounds great, but that would require everyone in the church really loosing the reins of control and actually letting the Holy Spirit truly work his power and authority through them. And so I just don't know if we're there yet, but who knows. Anyway, some very well-known church leaders and ministry leaders teach this today. I don't want to mention their names because you know what? If some of you are following them, I just don't want to paint any picture of anybody. We all need to stay unified, right? But some well-known church leaders and ministry leaders teach this today. And this is what happens, friends. Whoever you sit under, Whatever belief they're coming at, not only is their end time eschatology going to be this position, but what happens, and this is what happens with this group, they start to interpret other scriptures, other passages of the the Bible from this viewpoint rather than in its proper context. So be very careful of that. But their belief and what they teach is that the world is getting better. And it's being Christianized from Christian influence and bringing his godly government to earth, but that Christ is still in heaven. So again, post-millennial and amillennialists, they're similar. But post-millennialists believe that. And amillennialists, they believe in a literal reign of Christ along with his resurrection of saints, resurrected saints. But they believe that this reign is a heavenly one, not going to happen on the earth. So premillennials believe that it's going to be literal and amillennialists believe that it's going to be from heaven. So they also believe that this is already a present day reality. It's already happening. Whew. Okay, everybody got that? All right. I'm just try- again, that's the simple simple version. And another way to look at it is this. Under supersessionism, replacement theology theology the church replaced Israel you will have preterism where everything's already fulfilled in AD 70 and you will have amillennialists okay they too they believe the church replaced Israel but under restorationism where Jesus is coming and going to fulfill the covenants you will have the premillennialists where Jesus will literally reign on the earth so I know it's a mouthful. Try saying those words over and over. Everybody confused yet? I hope not. (laughs) But no wonder the church is not prepared in these days, my friend. We can't even agree 
on our end time eschatology. And that's the very thing that is our hope, right? That's our future. We've got to figure this out or at least uh, just maybe not try so hard to figure it out. I, I, a lady once told me years ago to lay down my need to understand everything and just let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and teach us in his time. And that's my encouragement to you. So there are all these different viewpoints. And for all of us, again, whomever it is we're sitting under and learning under, we're learning one of these viewpoints, right, wrong, or indifferent. There are huge denominations and well-known speakers today teaching pre-tribulation rapture. There are others who are not. And so which way are believers to go except follow the Holy Spirit? Now, everyone has a bent, and they're going to teach you from that bent. And when they teach you, like I said, they'll interpret scripture from that bent. And so again, my encouragement to you is please, please, please just sit with your Bible, read your Bible, and and let the Holy Spirit speak. I think I've said that like 10 times now. Anyway, uh, here's a couple good questions I ask myself before I wrap up. I encourage you maybe to ask yourself some of these questions. Number one, as you look at these viewpoints, ask yourself, okay, Is Jesus returning for two minutes and we go straight to the judgment seat? Is he really going to write this world off? Or is he coming back to clean everything up, to recycle this world? Okay, that's a good question to ask yourself. Or how about this? Is he returning to end the world fully? Or could all this that takes place at the end of Revelation be the beginning of the most incredible future of a recycled earth and heaven that we've ever seen. Those are just some things to maybe ask yourself as you're reading through these chapters. Because always remember, you know, the future, I've said this early on in this series, it was given to us in this book to affect us presently, how we live today. And so when I read the book of Revelation, when I read prophecy about the future, it affects me right now in the present Because it's reminding me to prepare for things to come or to endure things that are to come. We are called to be many things, but holy and pure are at the very top. And the very thing, thing that God uses to refine us is trials. Do you remember what I said in a prior episode? A question to ask yourself about teachers of prophecy and revelation Are they focusing only on what's to come, future events? Or are they helping you understand the importance of being ready, of being a bride ready to receive a bridegroom? Are they helping you prepare to endure and overcome? Are they comforting you with the idea of an escape plan? And if that's the case, let me ask you this. Does knowing there's an escape plan where you will avoid seven years of trouble, help you focus on being pure, holy, and disciplined? Or does it give you more of a mindset of like, woohoo, I'm out of here soon? Does that make sense? Remember, the intent of Revelation wasn't given to satisfy our curiosity about the future, but it was given to help us prepare for it. I'm going to close with this, just some food for thought. The first five centuries of Christianity held to one view a pre-millennial view that Jesus Christ would return before a thousand years and then after 
reign in bodily form upon the earth for those thousand years, that length of time in which Satan is bound. St. John taught it. Polycarp taught it, who was taught under John. Papias, the bishop of Aeropolis. Aeropolis is that tri-city I shared with you in the teaching on Laodicea. Laodicea, Colossae, and Aeropolis are all like within just a few miles of each other. Papias, the bishop of Aeropolis, was taught under John. Ignatius, a friend of Polycarp, taught this, who was taught and passed on those teachings from John. These men were taught doctrine, passed on from the apostle John. And then they continued to pass that doctrine on to additional church fathers after them. People held to one view, that there is going to be a time of trouble, that Jesus is returning, and that he's going to reign for a thousand years bodily upon the earth. And that was the belief for about 500 years of Christianity. And so me personally, I'm simple. I'm of the mind to consider the teachings of the early church. When I read about the Bishop of Smyrna or when I read about Polycarp, about how they stood strong and firm on the word of God in agreement, it encourages me. And when I read that both Polycarp and Papias, they actually wrote about the future return of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, Papias in particular wrote about the future reign of Christ for a thousand years and his writings influenced most of the early church fathers in regard to their understanding of prophecy. So why did it change after 500 years? Well, that's going to have to be another podcast because that requires a study on both the Greek and Hebraic influence on the church. Boy, oh boy, that will be a fascinating one. The church started with a Hebraic mindset, but then it ultimately switched and embraced a Greek one. And it changed everything to how we view things from a spiritual sense, to how we moved away from biblical, certain biblical practices, to how we even interpret scripture today. Because new church fathers rose up, many of whom we hold in very high regard. And they embraced new teachings and mixed them into Christianity. They, they embraced Greek teachings. And those Greek influences stayed within the body of Christ and are evident in our churches today. And therein lies the problem, my friends. All those views I just read through, they're all coming from these different Greek influences. A lot to learn for all of us, right? So until Jesus returns, I suppose we're just going to have to continue that way. I hope this helped you today. I hope it blessed you in some way. If anything, I pray that it just gets you thinking and maybe studying on your own. And, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what you're learning, what God's showing you. So if you ever want to drop me a line, please do so at... um, Let's see, what is our, what is our, prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com. Prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com. And, you know, I did want to mention this. I always forget, but, you know, we are just this small ministry out of Colorado, but we love to bring relevant content to you. If you ever want to consider supporting our podcast for as little as a dollar a month, please see the link on the description of this particular episode, and we'd love to have your support. Take care and God bless you. Until next time. (music) 